0: hello and welcome back to another gypsy soul podcast episode This stories that find us the Otto's daughter edition <laughs> as you may have heard already i've been interviewing people from my band Otto's daughter that was formed in new york city in the late 90s early 2000s and we've had an amazing run and many transformations and so It's been kind of my goal to interview a lot of my past members and my core members and talk about our experiences starting the band, the many transitions and changes that occurred and the many adventures we've gone on. So with no further ado, today's guest is one of my core members. Um, He joined in 2001 because of very tragic event and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because we became long-time partners and friends for life. There's no further ado. Here is Jim.
1: Whenever you be.
0: Hello, Jim.
1: <laughs> now? Okay, we'll start now. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we well, a good start.
0: You off a good start, but that's pretty much us anyway. You just giggle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> oh my god! So, <laughs> I think out of all the daughter band members, obviously we have the longest history because you know you joined in um, two thousand one, and we're gonna get into that in a minute. All right. Um, and you know, we ended it <laughs> in two thousand thirteen. 13. That's crazy. I thought we released an album. Oh no, it was in 2005. Never mind. No, no. Wait, what? <laughs> the, last, the last one. What was that? That was uh, The Ark of a Dream that was released in. You're right, because um, yeah, we ended the band then. Yeah. It just seems so long ago. <laughs> I love your glasses, Professor Jim. <laughs> yeah. Jim, Jim, you've been. This, a, this doesn't have a date on it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fucking what, kind printers, man.
0: Make? what kind of notes did you make? <laughs>
1: I've a bunch of huh. notes. Listening to Gadget Talk and the Sebastian
0: Talk. We got notes. Jim has notes. You know what? So, for everyone to know, Jim was my long We're, we're
1: going to keep all this, okay?
0: I know we would <laughs> started right off like. Jim has been my longtime partner with Otto's Daughter and we've we've gone through a lot of stuff. Um, it's a lot of stuff. And um, speaking of notes, even when you joined the band, when you f- went to the first audition, you had a lot of notes and they were all in your head and you had a lot of, you were so prepared. I couldn't believe it. I've never met anyone at an audition that knew every freaking single part. So with that said, I'm gonna hand it over to you because Let's talk about how you even found us.
1: Okay, uh, well, first of all, I was in another band at the time and uh, we were doing quite well. Then. Um,
0: give, us the 9- the give us the name of the band, give the name of the band. The band was called VBS, Violent Bruised Sky. And um, we, were, we had something
1: going on and um, 9-11 hit and a couple of other things happened, but 9-11 hit and, um, I ended up working from seven at night to seven in the morning down at the pit. Um, at the time, I believe I was looking for some, something else to do. And, um, I, my band was in more of a hardcore, um, I don't want to say new metal, but it like a hardcore detuned hard, very hard rock outfit. And uh, I wanted to scratch my, um. Industrial music edge, so to speak. So I started looking for something to do with that in that genre. Uh, I went. My brother had a web browser because I didn't have a computer till 2000. No, 2002. Um, so I went on my brother's web browser, and you guys had an ad up. And in my whole life, I've only gone to two auditions, and yours was the second one. And uh, it was very interesting. So I, uh, I think I spoke, I probably spoke with Gadget online. Uh, I didn't think I would be getting you because usually you don't get the singer. You get somebody in the band who's like responsible for the most part. And uh, so uh, yeah. I ended up buying, Of course, I'm not saying you're not responsible. But normally, <laughs> here's a Flakes. I know. Yes, all of you. And um, so I bought the CD in good faith saying, all right, let me, let me see what's going on with this. And I listened to it, <laughs> I found it very interesting. Although the instrumentation, the lines were completely blurred with the instrumentation because you had apparently guitars that sounded like keyboards and keyboards that sounded like guitars and vocals that sounded like guitars and keyboards. And there was just a bunch of melodies attacking. And I was like, do I follow on this? um i also listened to it for about three days three straight nights actually at work and then i asked a couple of friends at work that i trusted uh you know i, I gave them my headphones and the cd and i said what do you think and just one guy mike's like you should get you know you should give it a shot you know i don't really want to be down here i was like okay so uh I, I went when i got home one morning i started learning some of the stuff and then I, there was an awful lot to 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 attack, because I think there's nine songs on the EP, on, on the first record. And I was like, all right, which ones do they want? And I think I asked, uh, I asked one of you guys, and, I, and he said, just learn these four or five or something like that. And uh, so I learned them. And I went down for the audition, and that's when I spoke with Gadget. And Gadget's like, yeah, just pick me up in the city, because I, I lived in Brooklyn at the time, and you guys were practicing, because you had a, a, an inexpensive rehearsal space in Jersey City just outside the Lincoln Tunnel. So uh, I set up a meeting, like where I pick gadget up somewhere in Midtown. Uh, He was doing his um, government work at the time, I guess. And um, so he's like, (laughs) he's like, okay, this is gonna be easy. Just uh, as long as she doesn't tell you what to do, everything's gonna be fine. As long as she's not correcting you or saying anything, everything's gonna be fine. I'm like, sure, this is gonna be great. Okay, not a problem. I walk in, I meet Sebastian. And and this is the thing, also, like like uh Sebastian was like, you know, Jane, you know, Jim is always so serious all the time. I was an outsider walking into your scene. Even Dan, like Dan was one of the other guys who was trying out, and I never met Dan until you decided to keep Dan. And even he was still in your circle. You could in that circle. He was doing Empire Hideous and Spy Society, I believe. So you guys. I came from, you know, you know, more of the hardcore and heavy, heavy, heavy rock. And this scene, these two circles never meet. Well, now they do, but they never met at the time. So I always felt like I was the kid, the transfer kid in school in the middle of the year and everybody's already friends with everybody. And I'm just sitting at the desk like, all right, don't piss nobody off, just, you know, don't, don't, don't annoy anybody. So uh, I said hi to everybody. Um, Checked the tuning, tried to get decent sounds, and uh, then we started practicing. Well, I should say auditioning. And uh, I think we started with I want to say Fistful of Lies, and immediately that first part's like do 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 do
2: do do do.
1: So we're playing it on the guitar, So like, stop, 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 stop. That's a vocal line. I'm like, what? <laughs> don't don't play that. I'm like, huh? Oh, so what do I do? It's I just you know, doing the power chords, and I get- playing in the verse, and you, and you stop, 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 stop. That, that keyboard section. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? You're not gonna play that, you play in the chorus. Just so, Just be entertaining. I said, be entertaining. Just stand there and be entertaining. And I, I don't know how to do that. And up until 2005, I had a horrible stage fright. So I'm like, fuck. So we went through the song, we went through these parts, went through the other parts. And two or three of these things happened. So I was like, all right, what well, was fun. And I'm packing my stuff up. And I'm like, yeah, well, fuck this, I'm done. This, was, this went horribly wrong. And uh, it was funny because you and Sebastian, once, once Sebastian said the two of you guys were talking about it, I didn't remember any of that until, I, you know, he said that. And then it triggered the two of you guys were like hanging out, chit-chatting. And I'm like, I'm so fucked. You know. And, and Gadget was, was very helpful for me with that. Also, it was a, it was a learning curve, learning how to play with electronic drums, because I was normally louder, uh, like the other guy, but not as loud as the other James that came down.
0: <laughs> not at all. And so I lowered
1: significantly, knowing all right, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with a female vocalist now. Don't blow her out, you know, and try and stay melodic, because she's not hardcore. She's actually singing and has you know like female voice, which so now you have to make space sonically for it. So, I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I did a lot of octaves just to stay in, you know, like, support, you know, give you as much space as possible. And then uh, I'm packing up and I'm like, I'll just bring this shit back. I'll go back to the other band you know, tomorrow night's practice in, in uh, Far Rockaway. I'll just put everything in the van and go back. And um, you guys were all talking, and Gadget came up to me while I was packing up and he's like, So, um, you, wanna, you wanna learn some more songs and come back down next time? I was like, Oh, you guys want me back? <laughs> he said, and you look over at the two of you, you two were talking, you went, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't give a fuck, yeah. And I was like, all right. So he gave me uh, the disc, which was the intimate, instrumental versions, basically, of Renew. Almost all of the songs. And actually, it had another song uh, that never made the record, which I really loved. And... Uh,
0: what song was that?
1: That was washed away.
0: Oh, my God, yes. It's one of my
1: favorite songs you guys ever wrote. Oh, and then, shit. By the day, that was so, such a beautiful song. And um, I went back. The next day I had practice with my band, going through the motions with my, well, I shouldn't say it that way. Practicing with my band, still trying to find a singer. We had a problem with the singer at the time. A completely different video. And um, then I'm starting to like listen to that at work. I was like, let me see what i do about this. And then I, I left work because you guys needed a guitar player i was there my second time i was there the guy whose hands went numb was the other guitar player who came down and i, <laughs> I was watching because i'm sitting there like you said something like oh we're going to try this guy out too do you mind i'm like, well, you, your band you, whatever you want to do i'm cool with it i'll run to the store or something no like, no you can stick around so um and he was like yeah sometimes my hands go numb i was like Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, what the hell's going on with this guy?
0: You know, the thing is, when you audition people, and that's why we were a little bit off, like, not, not so warm right away, because I, I learned, like, I would always be, like, so nice and, and kind and friendly. And then these people turn out to be flakes, or, you know, they never show up again, or they don't learn the songs. So I learned to kind of step away a little bit and just be like, yeah, yeah, just see, see how the guy's doing. You know, don't attach yourself to the person. Um, because exactly. they as you know, there were so many horrible. I mean, we can talk about that in Van Nuys, you know, the drama, remember? Sticks? That's a, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's way later. <laughs> but, but <laughs> this. Like auditioning that, that's a whole nother probably like episodes that we could talk about auditioning people which is like horror stories people wouldn't believe it and comedy you can make it. it up yeah but you know basically you joined because of 911 if 911 would have not happened we would have never met because you would have not been able to stay at your brother's and be at your brother's computer see our ad because at the time he well had- oh, no he was he was with me at
1: the time he oh. was with me but he was home
0: because
1: was uh, working all the time
0: down there. Right, right. Because you worked at Ground Zero. I know you don't want to talk about it, but like you were working there. I don't. Yeah. And, um, but that's the reason we met. And I think that's powerful alone. You know, that's kind of yeah it, amazing in a way that uh, we met. And we needed a two guitars because I had booked a show in New Orleans and I told Gadget, like, I don't give a shit if I'm going to play to a CD. I'm going to go down there, whether or not I find a band. And that's how we always kind of operated. And then you guys showed up and you ended up being you know a very very important and long-term member because you were the one who came with us to LA I
1: was the eighth guitar player I remember hearing that conversation you're, like, you're, the, you're the eighth guitar player I'm like oh shit
0: okay. I didn't even know that like I, I didn't even know that like you told me that so I'm like okay
1: gadget, gadget I think told me that
0: oh my god that is so funny all
1: of those facts at the time had all those facts down I remember particularly one time we played in downtime I don't know if it was Gadget I was walking through the club with, or if it was Sebastian. It might've been Gadget, but we were walking through, and that one particular night, there were five people who used to be in your band in the club. I was like, yeah, yeah this, this guy used to play with us. I was like, really? And then we go up the stairs. This guy used to play with us. Oh, really? And I'm like, who the fuck is there in this place? <laughs>
0: because We used to like let anyone play with us until so we realized they can't play or like they're not reliable. We were just like, really, yeah, yeah, you want to play with us? Let's play with us. Like, people would come up to me, say, I used to be in your band. I'm like, you were? And I felt like an asshole because I couldn't remember. And it's not because I was on drugs. I was drunk. I just, I stopped. Like I said, you know, I kind of.
1: You mentally
2: blocked
0: it. (laughs) Blocked it because I'm like, I don't remember that person at all. Like, yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I remember Uh, the portrait language.
0: But then let's talk about, so you, you, so your first show with us was somewhere. Um, in Connecticut. In Connecticut. And then. It was in
1: Connecticut. The second show was the one in Metairie where, where you got mad. Um, but the first show was I interesting.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We talk about that.
1: We <laughs> talk about that.
0: Uh, the first
1: show was in Connecticut. And it was, it was a brilliant idea. because like, first of all, it's the first time I ever played in Connecticut, which is pretty funny considering if you play in New York, Connecticut. I know. Pennsylvania and and Boston, the the immediate spots. Never played Connecticut before, and they're like, oh, we're going to play in Connecticut just to see what's going on. And at this point, you decide that you're going to keep Dan as well. Right. Dan, again, Dan was kind of like, cool, this is going to be good. And I was thrilled because I was like, okay, good. Two guitars always sounds full, because then we could always do interesting chord stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: But again, I was the kid, the new kid, transfer kid into the school. So that's why I was kind of going to the time um we went to Connecticut and um I had a uh, a producer that taught us stage stuff Sky guy Night Bob he was telling us there's a line on the stage you stay behind this line and from this line forward is always the singers you do not step in the singers zone." so I immediately said I'll just stay in this little area here stage right uh I'll stay in this little area here and just watch how the band moves so we don't trip into each other and look like a comedy show so we were playing in Connecticut, and then in the uh, middle, I want to say maybe it was masking ball or something, you took your mic stand, and you had a disco ball on the mic stand, I was like, that was kind of cool. You took the mic stand, and you started slamming it near where I was, and I'm like, okay, so I'm never going to leave this little area because she's going to just destroy everything over here, so I'm just going to stay way over here and keep my, my foot pedals and all that stuff way over here so she doesn't destroy it. <laughs> so um, that was that was a good, that was a fantastic show for me to learn. What's going on in the dynamics live with these guys? Then we then we took the drive down, and that's when I learned about the Danstar system.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, to tell we all learned
1: about we all learned about each other at that
0: moment. I know nobody. We didn't know you guys, and we just all decided to go in the van and go to New Orleans and play a few shows, and t- tell people about the Danstar because they don't know Dan and they don't know the Danstar system.
1: All right. Well, first of all, Dan is a fantastic person. You It's just that he, uh, you can't not hear him talk, but most people don't see him. It's very strange. You can hear him, but you can't see him, which is why no one ever recognizes him when he comes off the stage. Um, So we were going to New Orleans, and um, I think we got on the 80 or something like that. We were going, again, this is 20 years ago. And um, we get to the thing, we're going to go down 81 or was it 27 or something like that. But it was between, yeah, there was a fork in the road, you could take both of them, but one of them was like, you know, the Gadget was picking 81, and uh, Dan was picking the other one. I want to say 27, I'm not even sure. And just like three miles from there, and the two of them start going at it like, we should take 81. And Dan's like, no, you've got to take 27 or what, and then Dan's like, uh, Gadget's more like, no, 81 is going to save us. And, um, and I was like, one mile left, I was like, fuck this. I put my headphones on. I'm taking 81. And I just take 81 and I just let them continue going. And I and I listen to music very loud as you know. I listen to music very loud and I'm driving. And and I look over and I see Dan doing this. And I was like, I'm driving. I go like this. Too. And no one's listening and everybody's doing it. And I was like, oh fuck this. And I just kept driving.
2: Guys
1: are in the back cracking up. And I think that's the first time I said, nice talking to you, to one of you guys, and you guys just love <laughs> From now on here, nice talking to you.
0: I think, was, wasn't Al with us too?
1: Not in, not in New Orleans. Al always went with us to Boston.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Houston. Yeah. Which and is a longer drive sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so then tell us about the show in Metairie because that was funny as hell. I was yelling at you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I, sh- I should say, I should say first. So what we you did- You should say we, Yeah, we, we, what we always did is like, because we had a lot of bad people playing with us, we decided like at some point, and Sebastian and I talked about that, that we put everything on a freaking backing tracks, and then we can turn it on if we need to, and off if we need to. Well, Gadget decided that certain guitars sound better double anyway. So he'll put some, he'll leave some on, and I think he wanted to still make sure you're comfortable. Yeah, I mean, you've come such a long way. You didn't know about tweaking your amp. Now you can like give freaking workshops about it because now you know everything about it. But at the time, you, didn't, yeah. you know, <laughs> but you didn't know anything and so, um, which is awesome. You learned all that shit. That was not your world. You, you were introduced to a brand new world and Gadget was the genius. He he knew how to set everything up. So he helped you set everything up and how to, you know so for you, it was really stressful probably. Like I didn't like it, like stepping on foot on pedals and I was the singer, but still I wanted to do my thing. And I know you had a lot of work to do stepping on this pedal to make the flange or you, you can explain it better. But anyway, so we had some just in case something in the backing track, even though you were still supposed to play life no go ahead
1: <laughs> you had those they were um, in case of emergency break glass tracks like all right, these guys um, one guy's on drugs we're throwing him off the stage this time whatever you had, all right, Well, then, no, we're not doing that again here's guitar tracks i looked at it as having training wheels so if i were to screw up the guys i don't remember all right we're just gonna don't play just stand there or whatever right. but i pretty much had it and um i remember loading in 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 Metairie, and there was it was a decent amount of kids there, and I was like, "Wow, this is how did you do this?" And I, I don't I don't know if you just like like Sebastian says, New Orleans is just an amazing town for this band. And New Orleans is an amazing town to begin with, but uh, so um, we we loaded in, and uh, all first of all, all my gear worked in Connecticut, and we put it from the van in Connecticut, and we left it all in and went to New Orleans, so there was nothing happened between Connecticut and New Orleans. We were fine. So I get to New Orleans, we're all setting up and doing sound checks. I'm watching Gadget and uh, Sebastian set that crazy PA system you guys had with the subwoofer. And I'm watching for the first time, cause I'm like, okay, I need to, to do this to cut down setup time in the future. So I was kind of watching them and I set my stuff up. And at the time it was simple. I was a purist. With the other band, it was just I had two pedals, uh, I had three pedals, uh, I had a whammy pedal which I never used, I had a tuner, and I had an acoustic pedal for a particular song in the other band, and and, and it passed off well. Everything else was di- direct into the end. With you guys, <laughs> all the crayons in the box were going right into the into the signal chain. So I'm I'm setting up in the, and I'm getting. Like static and cutting out, and and a lot of white noise. And and I'm like, what the hell is this? So, first thing you do, you you troubleshoot it. I pull it out, you toss it into the end. Sounds fine. Okay. Back in, go to each pedal. Everything's fine. Plug it back together. It's making noise. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Now everyone's ready to go, and I'm kind of making a mess. And I'm mad because I'm the new guy. I don't want to fuck this up. So uh, we played one song and it was just, it's horrendous with all the noise that was coming out of my amp. So I just said to Gadget, turn on the guitar tracks. I walked over to him, turn on the guitar tracks. I'm going to dummy it the rest of the show. He's like, good. Dan's still there. You're still going to hear organic guitars. No one's the better for it. I Turn my volume down, or I put my guitar on, my amp on standby so the light is still on. And I faked the whole show. And uh, after the show, everyone was like, you guys are great. No, no, no. they was signing autographs, and I was like, what "The hell is this?" And then, uh, yeah, you were really great. And, I'm, and I was like, "I didn't play. I didn't play."
2: I'm like,
0: Jim, shut the fuck
2: I, up.
1: I faked the whole time,
0: You're telling everybody. And I'm like, "Don't fucking tell people that, okay?" I don't want.
1: I didn't want to lie. I want to be honest with people. I was like, I, I, "Everyone else played.
0: Oh I was faking." You and cracked me up so they much. They didn't care. Oh my god! I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, Jim? Don't tell people that you didn't
1: play. Sebastian <laughs> didn't it. Sebastian found it funny. Dan, I don't know if Dan found it. Fun- I don't quite remember Dan's uh, reaction to that. Gadget was like, you really shouldn't be telling anybody this. Well, that's
0: like, what I was saying. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You know, it's the truth. I know, but it was still funny. It was like, oh my fucking god, Jim! No. <laughs> so,
1: so the thing was, I was really annoyed. I came down here. I had spare stuff, but nothing. Everything checked out, but when it was put together, it didn't work. And I was, I was like, I don't know what it is. So we had the we had the uh, hotel in Metairie near the pool, and uh, I said, I'm gonna set up. We're gonna get thrown out anyway, but I'm gonna set up in our room because it was me, Dan, and some guy from Europe who was was he Sebastian's friend? Oh, or?
0: the Polish guy.
1: Yeah, because, I did, said because
0: it's of the nail polish. Of that's why I remember that. <laughs>
1: And he said polish, guitar polish. I was like, no, it's polish. But uh that was the I'm sharing a room with two other people. I had I went down with no one I knew. And the only one I was like, mm, I'm from New York, I don't trust nobody. But uh, Sebastian was with you and gadget in one room because you guys already knew each other. And I just me, Dan, and this guy. And I'm like, I think I put my wallet under my pillow. Um, <laughs> I, well, I'm in, a, I'm in Louisiana with three people I don't know. Ooh, five people I don't know. Um, I said, I'm setting my stuff up and I'm going to troubleshoot it here because that night was the wax museum. So I set it up. I said, whatever doesn't work is going in the fucking pool. So I put everything together. It was the cable from the last pedal to the end. I checked everything but that cable. I was pissed.
0: It's
1: always the same thing. but I, I checked everything but that, and I, I was pissed. And then uh, it's like I was—I wanted to cut it up and throw it in the pool. And Dan's like, "Don't throw nothing in the pool. We're gonna lose our room." Above. I okay, like, "Okay, stop talking about it." But uh, we put it all back together. I told you—I told you and Gadget everything's okay. It won't happen again. Gadget's like, "Don't worry about it." I'm like, "Oh, I'm very worried about it. It's not how I roll." So then we went into the, uh, the wax museum, which was my first. Uh, introduction to the goth
0: scene
1: <laughs> you want to set this up
0: <laughs> the goth fetishy? no you can talk about it honestly this is one of those moments i have hardly any memory of and that's what i find i find it so <laughs> weird talking to you guys there's certain things i so clearly remember like it was yesterday and then there's so many things that were great things that i'm like i don't fucking remember that so i do remember us playing there i don't remember us going to Anne rice's uh, dollhouse it's a fun fact that um, that's also way fast, fast forwarding that we, got, we don't talk about this part today, we'll we'll see. But, so we went to the Anne Rice's dollhouse and Jim and I both love Anne Rice. And you know, I think Hamid liked Anne Rice. Yeah, of course he liked Anne Rice too. And you know how I love dolls. So I was, we were just, we walked in there and there was, let's start. and he was, the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And I almost, you were like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine.
1: (laughs) I didn't, I didn't realize what effect that had until seven months later. But I just, so everybody knows you walk into, it was an Anne Rice store in the garden district in, in this cool little, like it was a barn that they turned into a mini mall.
0: That's gorgeous.
1: The Lestat doll was about six foot five. Yeah. It was bigger than life-size. It was yeah. a tall, like, doll. And it had porcelain eyes in it, which were un- unsettling. Well, when I looked into it, it was unsettling. I'm like, those are, like, real eyes. And I and know. looking down the stairs like this, looking at it, like, I was like, okay, okay, it's just a fucking doll, Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I all couldn't, I was like, oh my God, I found my man.
1: <laughs> I didn't realize, but yeah, that, that was exactly, once you told me what you'll get to later on in the story, uh, yeah, that's why I was like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense why you were acting like you were acting. And the funny thing was, we went to the Garden District and we're like, oh yeah, let's all walk around. And they were all like, no, we're going to stay in the van." And out of the six of us, you and I were the only two walking around. We
0: were always walking. Always, we were always walking around. I mean, you know, obviously that's why we we've been together for a long time, you know, yeah. and that's why we are still talking. <laughs> you know, you know, we are best friends basically. So I mean, we, we always, you know, we are best yes. friends. You know, you yes. you've been a you you be a part of my family.
1: But we, we, we know too much about each other to to not say anything to anybody else.
0: <laughs> exactly. We know everything about each other pretty much. Um, yeah, so the, the Lestat doll, we'll come back to that later, but that's a huge, yeah. that's a huge someone, someone <laughs> remind us later. So back to the no, back, back to the Western museum show that was your first gas fetish experience.
2: <laughs>
1: it's it's funny, I think that place is gone because i lived there the uh, year before last and i looked for it constantly i knew it was in the quarter i knew it was up near the top but i i could i think it was gone at that point yeah but we went there we showed up a little early and i was shocked that they actually were ready for us when we got there because usually the, the club the guy doesn't show up till like 20 minutes before the doors open this guy was there a couple of hours beforehand and we went right into the freight elevator which i was i was kind of like i hope this thing holds all this equipment because it was in the French Quarter, it could be probably from the 1900s, um, and then we walked everything through the Wax Museum to the uh, to the ballroom, and I'm and I'm rolling my stuff. Going,
2: I'm playing in the
1: fucking Wax Museum. All right, whatever. And we set up all our stuff, and then I think we uh, I think we went to the French Quarter. We went down to Jackson Square. To get on the eat before it started, and then uh. The very first um, impression I got with me, Dan, and Sebastian, because you went, we all came up, and then you and Gadget went into the dressing room in the back, that big-ass dressing room, and started getting ready. And uh, me, Sebastian, and Dan went to go get a drink. And I'm this is, again, my first time in the thing, you know, women wearing lingerie and fangs and, like, all that whole scene. And we walked-
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you no know, I was just like because I just
2: the crowds I would
1: play to were guys in pits with like our merch and the other band was like basketball jerseys and these are women running around in various states of undress and the guys are wearing makeup and lipstick and I'm like okay so we went to the bar to get something to drink and some girls started talking to her, or, say, or saying hi to Dan and Sebastian and I and she had fangs and Dan gets a drink, I get a drink, and Sebastian, I think, had already had a drink at that point. And she went to take a drink, but her fangs wouldn't let her put <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. Did, did anyone else notice this? You know, And I think Dan caught it. and I, I don't remember, but I was just like, it was it was such a comedic value. Like, she was trying to be all cool and all that. And she was like doing this. Fangs wouldn't let her drink from, from the glass. And I was like, Okay, so this is the kind of scene I'm going to be playing in. Okay, it was
0: the first time too.
1: (laughs) It was a lot of fun, though. It was a it was a fantastic time. It was a fantastic time, and um, then the next night we played at the Whiskey Bar on Canal Street, I believe it was, not far from where I worked when I moved down there. And um,
0: that show—that's the show where they they, the guy took my somebody took my uniform and all that kind of stuff. I
1: I remember that story perfectly. We went into there, and I think we had to cross the uh, the, the grass, the island in the middle. Where yeah. The trolley we had to bring. I think we put everything over there, and then we drove. We parked the, the van around the other side of it. <clears throat> and I was always on stage right, and Sebastian and Dan were always on stage left.
0: Because you forgot to tell people you are left. Yeah, you play left. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm left-handed, so the guitars face yeah. like this, which draws attention to the singer. My pop showed me that tip. Their side of the stage was fucked up though, so the, Sebastian had a rig that sat about this high off the floor. It was like, it was like a 115, four tens, and then his he had a he had a, spa, a rack space mounted thing. And Dan had I think like a half stack or something like that. And the stage was wobbly on their side, but not my side. And during the show, while they were playing, they were kind of like doing this, getting into it, and their stuff was going like this, and <laughs> guys, 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 so they had to stop just so it wouldn't do that and fall over, which probably made it boring for them. But um, there was a, a girl there. You changed in the bathroom, and you came out. She was a kleptomaniac. She told us she was a kleptomaniac, and she stole the stuff. You must have said something to one of the fans, because most of the Metairie crowd followed us into New Orleans for that. And someone said someone stole her stuff, and she came back and apologized, saying she's a kleptomaniac. Then she proceeded to steal two or three of the pool balls from the pool table.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days, I first of all I used to make an outfit for every show, and I had an outfit. Every show was a different outfit that I made, um, except actually for that run, I had the same. Um, the same. I, w- I would start it with a white sheet. saw
1: all up as the Middle Eastern and then went into Middle. The middle.
0: And then I had a, a uniform on, like like an army uniform on, and I would run. Throughout this the set, I would go run to the bathroom and do the little changes and come back out. It was all part of the show. Um, right. You know, sometimes I would later on I did, did everything on stage, but it, it looked it looked okay because people just were like, "What the fuck's going on? Why is she running away?" <laughs> and then, oh, there she
2: is. And you were
1: wireless, which helped.
0: And we had a wireless, yeah, so that was really cool, like, jumping into the crowd and stuff. Yeah, that was so funny. I'm like, where's my shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then it was back. I'm like, it's back.
1: <laughs> yeah, she apologized, but then she had to steal some, so she stole some of the pool balls off the table.
0: <laughs> oh, my, I don't remember that part. So. All right,
1: then. I, I remember, again, everyone remembers a different part of the puzzle.
0: It really, yeah.
1: It was just hilarious. And then uh, then we went back, we drove home that night, I think.
0: Did we?
1: We did shifts on that. Yeah, and I got a speeding ticket in Tennessee. I can't, I, we just came from getting gas, and I and I went like, all right, I'm going to make some good time. I get off the on-ramp, right, right onto the highway, right pulled over. <laughs> I was like, the
0: <laughs>
1: I didn't even get to the speed I wanted to, and he pulled me over. And you guys are like, we'll pay for the ticket. I'm like, no, I did it. I'll pay for it. My fault.
0: Oh, my God. It was a crazy time because at that time, we still had to go through, like, they were like, of um army people in, in all over the city you know because it was like still like the 9-11 phase um, yeah it
1: was a, it was a military crime zone which is why you couldn't get in like i had to pass so I could get in but you had to go through an armed um basic sentry post to get yeah. into into there.
0: the tunnel yeah. stuff and here we are it was a freaking Van and Pyros and the driver what <laughs> is in some
1: <laughs> I was like, you sure you don't want me to drive? <laughs> no, I got it. <laughs> okay. What's this? Well, I had the van. I had the uh, the clothing rack that that looked like it would hold a surfboard. So whenever I went to go to work, it always looked like I had a missile launcher concealed. Right. And they pull me over and open every single night on the way to work. They'd open it up. They saw me every day, but they had to open it up anyway because it just
0: looked. Bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Procedure.
0: Yeah. Was that so? In in, in Madrid, we didn't do pyros, did we?
1: No. The first time we did pyros that I know of was that that show. And um,
0: tell us your experience because <laughs> 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 so we we were and you you we talked about this because looking back right what did you say to me uh, when we were talking on the phone? You were saying something like we were so advanced with everything because we had so much equipment, we had a lightning bar, I mean, for an unsigned band, right? That had like-
1: Yeah, yeah Gadget brought that we up. We had like, like no- big, big, state of
0: the art. We had, you know, we had like no budget, like, but we, we just, we were so resourceful um, to have the sampler set up. We had our own lights, you know, I mean, every show was all, and I mean, that was part of our Daughter uh, theme throughout all of our years. Every show we treated like the big rock show. It doesn't matter if we play a shithole with two people uh, or we're playing, you know, a, a big ad, big ass venue. It didn't, it never mattered.
2: Well,
1: the, the quote, the, the Shay shows are usually the ones you really have to throw down for because most bands check out on the Shay shows. And, exactly. and usually the show where some pivotal tastemaker or the right person in your life is just be drinking and watching the band before you and they see you guys like What are these guys throwing down in this like hole in the wall what do they do in a real place so again that was part of the allure and to me again coming in kind of as a new fan with this you know like, like Sebastian says he was a fan and and, and again it's, it's a unique perspective to come in to an established uh, act that you know you're walking in like First thing you listen to is like, do I even like the music? Would I go spend my money to go see this band? And then, then it's like, well, can I play this music? But, but you had the, you had to, That's the first band I ever played with. That's the only band I ever played with with V drums. Uh, you had this light box with the with the black lights you had like these switches on the box. Fucking amazing! I was like, I, what is this? What is this doing? You had your own PA system that you brought with you, your monitors and stuff. You had a subwoofer for the because you had really good loops going. And I was like, this this is really, really cool opportunity. And I was really stoked to be a part of it. And again, Gadget was so far ahead of the curve. Both of you were, but but he, you know, he was kind of masterminding it.
0: He was masterminding it, yeah.
1: He was. And and he was just, I would, I would think now, everybody now. I mean, the big acts are in par with what he was doing, but he was, he was using a sampler as a trigger. He wasn't even, there was no running a click track and shit. He had a click track going through the sampler. He, he rigged it in such an unorthodox way that he maximized every piece of equipment on that, that drink cart thing that you got. That thing was huge, man. It was and
0: huge and heavy.
1: <laughs> it was top heavy too. It, it didn't help that it was all top heavy, but anybody who doesn't know, who haven't hasn't seen us, because there's no pictures of the uh of the fridge.
0: It's gotta be go, one somewhere. <laughs> go on, no,
1: go on a plane and order a coke. Watch what they roll down the thing. That's the size of yes, the drink.
0: Exactly it.
2: Yes. Exactly yes. what
1: it is. Yes. It's the thing that rolls down the aisle and gives everybody their food. And yeah. that's how big it was. And we're carrying it up like Webster Hall, all of these other places. And it was just like, this is insane. I
0: think in the beginning we didn't even have rolls on it. Like- and <laughs> then <they> got smarter. <laughs> <We're> like <laughs> wait, did
1: you? Or did the wheels break? I kind of remember him changing the bottom on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, I think they yeah, that happened quite a few times. It, it was, was always upgrading. It was always upgrading. And and see at the time I didn't understand that that how necessary it is. Now I totally get it. And the funny part was also like I would back in the day, I would program drums and I would write tracks. Like I would program drums on a on the MPC. And Hamid would listen to it and he'd be like, how am I, so- there's no way I'm gonna play that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm human. And so I think that's why we started using that because we're like, okay, we're doing all this crazy shit that no way can any person do that. You know what I mean? Like that's just like a robot thing, you know?
1: Yeah, but he would find the right beat to play along oh, with that loop. He turned absolutely. that thing into a loop and then played the accompanying beat where
0: absolutely yeah absolutely you know but i'm like can you play that he's like no i need like a dance. three hands
1: four feet <laughs> the tambourine <laughs> it
0: was just so funny oh my god of what, what, what are the other highlights i mean so you joined and then we we got more serious and we're like okay let's you know we have finally that was the first time Otto's daughter actually had a real band like so because right. we've done a two-piece we've done a three-piece we had his I think at some point we had six people in the band, if not seven. Um, but at that point, it was you, Sebastian, Dan, Gadget, and me, and right. we were pretty solid. We, you know. And
1: when I came in, Dan and I came in at the same time. Right. You guys were like, "We're going to keep both of you because we, we like you both." And, I'm yeah. and nothing changed until we left for California. Until
0: we left, exactly.
1: So that was at the end of two thousand one, really. I think you decided. Yet yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stay with this lineup after the first downtime show. That's the show with the pyro. And that's the question I wanted to say. Um the, the show where gadget put all the makeup on and you guys were, were laughing. That was the new year's Eve show. Now I'm wondering, I remember he out of nowhere
0: at, he, at CBGB's
1: gallery. Yes, that was that was the New Year's Eve show with Voltaire.
2: When
0: um, I wore that, when I wore that oh, dress I and your friend was taking a picture of me from, remember that, from the behind? Yeah,
1: Mike. Mike's the guy who said you should try out for them. Oh, right. I remember he's the guy with, Yeah, we moved to California and he uh, and he came to visit and him and his new wife got married in every state on the way, remember?
0: You told
1: me that. We got married in every state on the way here. I'm like, how
0: are you going
1: to do a divorce? You got to go all the way back? Oh my God, that's so, funny. Um, but yeah, that was the uh, Voltaire show. And is is gadget had super short like a crew cut? Was that when he did the thing with the pyro and blew his his hair? Remember he he did himself white in New Orleans and looked like Michael Jackson.
0: He yeah, at some point he he had this hair sh- short. I don't remember exactly why. Maybe because of a job or something. I don't remember exactly why.
1: Was it the job? Because I didn't know. Because he said in his that uh. He put too much pyro when he was testing.
0: Well, it was eyebrows, yeah. Eyebrows and
1: part of his hair, and I was like, "Is that is that when he cut his hair?" But I'm not sure. But yeah, that he was. That was that show. That again, listening to the other things, I was like, "No, no, no, no." that was New Year's Eve because he did that thing New Year's Eve because it was
0: (laughs) that was pretty funny. (laughs) I had to. I had to really go. I mean, I always put a lot of makeup on, and you always told me like, which I didn't know, but you're like, "Oh, you look like." You you do Cirque du Soleil, you know, and I'm like, what?
2: Because I was like yeah. really
0: into like all the big makeup, you know. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it was so cute, guys just like there doing his thing and we're all looking at him like, what are you doing? And he just had that <laughs> that white face and the black painted beard, and he just looked at us with a serious face, saying, Well, at least I'm trying. <laughs> we're all like oh my
1: God. I, I remember that. I remember that. But that, that, was a, that was interesting because i had the uh, vertigo around that time
0: <laughs> you always had vertigo had,
1: they had they had me taking the medicine to uh to alleviate because i had a yeah, debilitating infection in this side and it would cause vertigo but if i were to take that stuff then i couldn't operate machinery and i was a lineman i was driving trucks so it was like two or three days i was loopy and i'm like you know just fuck this and then it always looked like i was drunk about to fall off the stages because if I shake my head the wrong way, i get dizzy and I was going to fall over.
0: I, in my memory, you always hit vertical. <laughs> you would always do stupid shit.
1: I was still learning how to play with you. I was still learning how to, to perform and I, 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 didn't, so, I didn't want to
0: so I, myself.
1: I was
2: freaking out.
0: <laughs> so Jim was like, really? You were really <laughs> you had to have to stage, stage, right? And I said, Jim, you know, you gotta be a bit more, you know, engaging and 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 you know, show your face, you know, and um, and you know, be like the rock star. And then, so we're playing somewhere, and 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 there were all these. We always had a lot of photographers in, in the in the crowd, and yeah, we're gonna and, go and on they on come up to me. They come up to me and they said, "God, you're fucking guitar player. I can never get his face." And I'm like, "Jim, don't ever show your face." this is great <laughs> because it became almost like a challenge for anyone because you had this really awesome curly hair and it was a challenge they would be so proud like I got his face, I got his face. He was going up and I got it. <laughs> it became your thing. it became your thing and I was awesome.
1: But that was the other thing when I first uh, started playing with you guys, I was like, the, I think it was the first downtime show. I think that's the first like home, we'll call it home show. And I think there was like four or five people taking pictures. And I'm like, I think I said to Sebastian or something. Did they hire photographers? Sebastian was like, no, they're always here. I think it was Sebastian. It was Sebastian or Gadget. I was like, did you guys hire photographers? We never did and I'm like, what kind of fucking band is this? You, you have like, it, like nearly as many photographers as you have people in the crowd. What the hell's the word? <laughs> then, then it follows you to Philly, and then you had Kyle Cassidy out in Philly. And I was like, you have photographers everywhere? They
0: would just come to the show because we were so theatrical and we, we were so entertaining that people really and I do I did the stage blood and the dolls and and you know throwing down like you said the, the, my I would just lose my even you know how I am on stage. I I, I I'm getting into the zone, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. So and that's not on drugs. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> I never did drugs or drank before a show ever. Um and no, I I've been never. After, you know. It just—I get into that. That's my—that's my drug. And remember when I said to you, I said, "What if I throw stones in the crowd? And You like, are you fucking crazy?
1: That—that <laughs> no. that was the other thing. Once you said that, it triggered another memory in my head. The First time I walked in to try out for you guys. <laughs> so you guys first of all, you had a you had to do a step up. It was like a step. You guys had like a—I don't want to say an chamber, but you had
0: the elevated had, because it was always uh, yeah, it was always flooded.
1: Right, so I was like, okay, and I picked up my stuff and put it in, and then I looked up, and in your rehearsal space, you had chains hanging down, all over the place, and pieces of baby dolls everywhere. I'm like, the "Fuck, am I walking into?" I mm-hmm. that, and I was just like, "This fucking," and I'm playing, and I'm like this fucking chains and fucking broken dolls all over the place. <laughs> what the hell is this? So yeah, they, <laughs> some guy. Who was that guy who always come to the shows? He was a big dude. He came He came when we played the Acoustic Alchemy show in twenty five, 2005. He was- Ed, a, Ed, Ed. No, not Ed. He, he always dressed up real nice. He had black hair and he dressed like, he was the most goth person in the place the whole time. He knew all your words. He loved you. He loved all you guys.
0: Shit, I don't remember. That's bad.
1: Big tall dude, black hair. Anyway was my point? <laughs> shit, I hate that.
0: About chains and dolls. Dolls. Oh.
1: So yeah, he walks up, he's like, I still have a rubber rat that you threw at me. I was like, you throw shit at people? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? And you're like, yeah, we used to do this, and then the glitter. You always did the thing with the glitter. I would have glitter in my van, I had glitter in my other rehearsal space in, in Far Rockaway,
2: <laughs>
1: my apartment. Uh, it was just, I was like, what the heck? This stuff is like not going away. And um, there was another thing, besides the glitter, there were so I many
0: things. The stage blood.
1: Oh, oh we we, uh, we played the House of Blues in Philadelphia. Remember that?
0: Yes, when I threw glitter at people's food. You throwing <laughs> glitter around, I did they went in their you. potatoes,
1: and they went in their beer, and everybody's complaining to their waiters,
0: she put glitter in my food. I want new food. And I was like, oh, my god. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. I'll buy you a no drink. <laughs> well, be—I yeah, mean, the House of Blues was so stupid. Like, why would they have a show when, when people are eating? You know, that was like so. That was boring.
1: that was a Hard Rock Cafe. Hard Rock and Cafe. this behind us, which I found very strange.
0: I know. Ooh. That was a strange show. I hardly remember that, but I remember that. I remember, like, the, everywhere we played, we always left a mark behind. <laughs> Was like glitter
1: and let the skid mark, <laughs>
0: skid mark behind it, it, you would not know that I just thought I was there.
1: <laughs> yeah, another thing with that Philly show the first Philly show that I played. No, it wasn't the first, it was the uh first, it was at that hard rock. Um, remember, we had to find parking, everything was out of the trailer already. And I went to go find parking, and you were still like, You started putting your makeup on in the van, and you're like, Can I just stay here while you park it? And I'm like, Sure. And I, went, I turned down the street and went down the wrong way. And then cops, were, I was going right towards the cop car. And I just went right into the, the thing. And then they went right in there after us. I said, whatever you do, just start complaining, saying, I told you not to do, just don't shut up. And then they came, they rolled down the window they like, I told you not to go down the street. And I go, guys, you see what I'm dealing with? Because, yeah, just park the car. Don't worry <laughs> about it. We like, Thank team. you. And you're like, that's
0: a great trick. <laughs> we We're a great team. <laughs>
1: that was funny and um yeah and uh, my my favorite thing to do was play with carfax abbey always that was my personal favorite band i ever played with on the same bill with of anybody i well um, no Celtic frost then carfax abbey then the dreaming
0: and someone later yeah that was later yeah um well i don't carfax. Sadly, we didn't play that many shows with them. I feel like we played with so many interesting bands back in the days, like P.T. Grimm. I, I was mentioning it to uh, Sebastian, I think. They, they were, were like, a circus
1: huh? They were the circus band, right? They were dressed in stripes and doing circus stuff.
0: The guy, I just remember the drummer was in diapers and then he took the yeah. diapers off and he had like freaking, uh, um, you know, putting black like, <laughs> brown pudding yeah. in his pants. Yeah. But they were actually really good. There was a really good band. At some point, we had a really good like, group of, of bands that we would play with that would A, have a nice draw, and B, would be, we would all be entertaining in different ways. And that was kind of fun um and you know that we i think what i really love about that scene because when we first started out we didn't know who we were we didn't know what the fuck we were doing even when you joined the band we didn't really know what the fuck we were doing we were just writing experimenting we we weren't professional songwriters or or producers you know we we were just experimenting learning along Mm -hmm. the way um and then i think um when we started playing out you know we the Spiral Lounge, you know, we show up with all this gear and blind in the crowd with our lights because we had no fucking clue what we were doing. And people looked at us like, who are these guys? Where do they think they're playing? Is this the Spiral Lounge, you know? And everybody looked all rock and roll. And here we are, I don't know, you know, I'm all gassed out and and everybody was gassed out. And they're all just like, who's this chick with the, they were just confused. And we were confused because we were like, we don't know where we belong. Like we just, you know, people liked it, but they, did. I don't know, they were just like, wow, they're actually good, but they're it's weird. <laughs> who are they? Right. And then Ted was the one who saw us somewhere. Ted, Ted's the
1: guy. Ted's the guy. I couldn't remember his name. Ted.
0: Yeah, I thought that was Ted. So, and then Ted saw someone. He's like, oh my God, you should play in all these goth clubs. You know, you're goth. And I'm like, what is that? You don't know what goth is. That makes you even cooler. You are the coolest Goth ever. <laughs> okay. And he 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 got us into like looking into those scenes. And that's how we ended up playing at Mother. Did you play with us at Mother? You didn't. That was I never
1: played the Spiral Lounge. I never played Mother. I never played the bank. I didn't play Arlene's Grocery. Oh,
0: the bank. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah.
1: I went to those places too. I never got to play there.
0: Okay, but we played. You know, I think with you we played uh, like the CBGBs. So obviously, we did like Webster Hall. We did um, the Continental several times, which that was one of my favorite places. I love that place for whatever reason. Um, cause a it
2: was place called True.
0: Before.
1: Huh? It was a place called True.
0: True. Oh, that was like uh, up 3rd at Street. East East, East. Right, Lower East Side somewhere.
1: Yeah, the square. Was that Herald Square?
0: Oh my God, that's so long ago. I Don't remember. It was.
1: We played with, I think there were three or four bands one night and every band played a Depeche Mode song. We all had one Depeche Mode song and you two of them played the same song over. They played uh, In Your Room or something. We played Strip but they played In Your Room and it was, it what was, well, is this Depeche Mode? Man. What the hell is going on here?
0: You know that's also, that's also thanks to you because you, while we were driving somewhere I listened to you, Once. you gave me some CDs and I was just listening. And I, I never thought of ever even doing a cover song, but then I listened to your CDs and I was like, oh, I really like this song. I wanna, I wanna make a cover of that. And then we did and I was like, Jim, you gotta like throw down on this one. <laughs> and then you did your thing and that's how the cover came about. That was because we listened to that song. I listened to that song in, in the car.
2: That,
1: that, was a, that was another funny story. Uh, actually, I, uh, Sebastian said, I, I finished the record with you guys. I didn't. I think I only played two songs, and Dan played one. Dan played on B, and I played on uh, Digital Black, and I did strip with you. And um, all Timmy Rockmore. Uh, first of all, Kenny was on that record, from what you told me. I think he played scars. So Kenny was on four records. Think about that.
0: Yeah, Kenny played scars. Um, was he on? He was on Renew. No. He wasn't on Renew at all. no oh no no he was not he was but he was on the on the the becoming he played the drums because he was the playing. guitar
1: player he was also the guitar player and knew kind of everyone for right on time
0: that is true when he came oh uh, that's right yeah 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 yeah. um yeah kenny was uh, kenny Mirone. he was um a great friend of ours who who hamid and i met i gadget. And i met him um He was one of the people we auditioned and he was just so multi talented and just amazing and he was one of those people he just couldn't commit because he wanted to do his own thing he was he was he was really into Trent Reznor and and Nine Inch Nails and he did his own music, you know, And it it sounded a lot like him, Um, but then he later on so anyway, but we would. Just we just sat down and we were just like jam. And I always said like, oh my god, this guy, I love this guy, I want him in my band, you know. And then it, it it's kind of funny how he ended up always kind of sort of being in and out. Back when we when we moved to LA, he was in LA also, and then he joined us again live and on some recordings. Um, but then before all of that, he he sold everything and 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 you know rehearsed like every day for eight hours to audition for Nine Inch Nails, and he became actually. The second choice but not the first choice because he was not happy enough and unfortunately he ended up taking his life in 2008 um, so rest in peace kenny but we appreciate everything you've done and contributed to the band because he was magic right he was magic he, there was something about him
2: it yeah, worked
1: well with you guys yeah yeah
0: it was very magical um but yeah going back to what you were saying um what were you saying <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> okay. much there's so much, <laughs> it's crazy to focus because we have, we've gone through so much. I want to talk so much about the LA thing, but there's so much still in New York because, you know, uh, yeah. you know, but, well, what was that one, remember that one show? I don't know where that was. We we stayed at these people's big ass house and we were like- was "This was in Washington, DC.
1: He was a divorce lawyer. Oh my God. At a Sterling Sterling Hotel. In, Where did in, we
0: play there? Like I just.
1: Downtown. Okay. That was 2008. That's the second. That's the other side of the pivot for the band.
0: Oh, that was already. That was already when we were already in LA. Oh, that okay. Yeah, that was Rowan G. Yeah, we didn't. You know, the one mistake we made when we were in New York, I think, for me, looking back, is that we we could have toured way more, but we were all kind of like weekend musicians at this point because a lot of you guys had like day jobs, and you know, I didn't
1: care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, had plenty of time. I didn't care. Uh, I think it was when, when you said, "I'm kind of surprised when you said you guys were still kind of finding out who you were, or You were finding your voice or something." Because listening to that first record, it's very punk pop, not pop punk. You guys like you were singing. Your singing has a, a natural lilt to it, like a Fiona Apple or uh, like Shirley Manson but you you were more like a punk rock version of that. So that had a, a very definable sound. And then Renew always felt to me like a concept record. And that's when Sebastian was writing with you guys as well. Now, the other thing is, I think, and I've thought about it since watching these other videos, had Sebastian come to Los Angeles, it would have stayed more like how it was in New York because Sebastian was a primary writer with you guys. Whereas when you went to Los Angeles, it was just you and Gadget and everybody else you got from rock bands. So we all diluted what you would do. I mean, it was still sounded like you, but at the same time it was far more organic at that point, which I don't know, because I really loved the New York version. And I obviously loved the Los Angeles version, but they're two to me completely different bands. You're the only uh, common denominator at this point.
0: Right, right. Just yeah. my personal. Yeah, we knew um, Sebastian was way more involved in that, and and um, yeah, we, I remember that. But when you joined, um, it was cool because we had um, we had hired Neil Conan uh, in El Paso. That was also a badass experience uh, when we went down there. You know, for like what was it, like a couple of weeks or something or a week.
1: That was a uh, I want to say it was like five days. That was when I officially left my other band. And chose you guys i went the night before we flew out to el paso the night before i went and had a, a sit down with my my producer and and the band and they were getting ready to go in and do another record and um we have differences of opinion over a particular item which is not important at the moment and i decided on choosing you guys and uh the next morning i was on a plane with you guys which was funny because gadget brought the uh four track mixer with him do you remember this he goes go to go through the uh, airport security and then they put they stopped it they pulled out the little like forensic duster thing they were checking for gunpowder and everything and i'm like jesus christ i hope he didn't i hope he cleaned his hands before he touched the faded <laughs> powder in, the, uh, in the shows and then and then they let him through and i was like okay but that that was a fantastic experience for me going down to sonic ranch in uh, Tornillo.
0: I think that's when we also got a chance to get to know each other a little bit better because we never could talk ever. We, we would like after shows be like, we should talk, you know? Like I, I never got a chance to get to know you because we'd always either be in the rehearsal just rehearsing, you, then you'd have to drive back to Brooklyn for an hour or come, you know, you'd always be tired. You'd be like sitting in a van, half asleep. And then, and then we would, after shows, we'd have a beer and then we'd talk to fans and then we're like, so, hey, Jim. And then the minute we try to talk, someone comes walks up and walks after me. it was, I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> it was, <laughs> don't worry about it. Talk like, <laughs> next we're time. Like, we're like, it's just not going to happen. We, we cannot it's have a conversation. We cannot get to know each other. No. It's like
1: seven months of, we'll talk next time.
0: <laughs> I know, right? we like, okay, well, I'll talk to you next time. Uh, and then when we went to El Paso, we got a chance because we were, again, the only ones who would take walks. We'd be like out in the in the pecan farm. Remember that?
1: Yes. That was, that was fantastic. Okay, I do have a, a Gadget story with that, because I would always go off because
0: it,
1: it wasn't my baby that that record was you guys. And I came down for the experience and for, for, I guess, support, but it was just a cool band thing to do. The whole band went down.
2: Yeah.
1: But I, was, I didn't have any veto power or anything. So I was like, stay in your lane. This is between Gadget, Jacqueline and Neil. And Sebastian probably has a couple of words to say here and there, but he probably already talked with Gadget about it. So I was just enjoying the the the, uh, the entire place because the Rio Grande was like 400 yards away from us. And um, I was I remember I was walking, I was had my headphones on, and I was walking, and and I think you jumped on the back of me. I didn't know I thought you were in the studio, and I was like, what "The fuck is this?" And he turned around, you got like laughing. And uh, but another time I was walking, and it was turning into sunset, and and Gadget came up behind me on a bicycle.
2: And
1: he said, hey, man, right I said, And I was like, hey, what's up? You know, and we're talking for a few seconds. Then we look over and the sun is just starting to set over the mountain. And we'll, um, I think both of us were like, man, that's gorgeous. Then we looked at each other and we were like, yeah, we got to go now. <laughs> so he, he took off on the bike and I just turned my head the other way and walked away. Like, we, we can't have a moment here. We had a moment.
2: moment. <laughs>
1: we just had a moment. We are like, nah, n- y- no. <laughs>
0: how's your pretzel (laughs) how's
1: your cereal with no milk
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's not with milk (laughs) it's supposed to be like a snack without milk Mm. (laughs) I have it with my tea I had to try tea Yeah, we did good. You did pretty good. So you're gonna be podcast. I house.
1: can't see it until everyone can see it.
0: You can if you want to. <laughs> and then what you gonna do? Cut that out.
1: This is why I'm like. This is why I don't do these things.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm so self-conscious of the whole time.
0: I know you. You, you were a little scared, right? Hmm. Okay.
1: It's sick. What? I don't like showing my face. Still.
0: <laughs> Why well, you could have bought a wig?
1: <laughs> just edit the shit out of it. It'll be clean. Make it like a remix.
0: You could have bought a wig with the hair that you used to have, or you could just dye your hair, and put it, and put it out <laughs> instead of having it back because you still have all your hair. Yeah. For the next episode,
2: okay.
0: you'll be like, "Whoa, there you go, there you go. Look at that handsome hair. <laughs> Look at you, that looks great." Thank you. What? Because I'm still I... filming. <laughs> yeah, you know what? What? I was still filming this. <laughs> Here you are? Here, it is. Here we are. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I know you have a lot of other things to choose from and for you to take the time out of your busy schedule um, by having all these other options. Stick, staying here with us and listening to our conversation. I really highly appreciate that. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, please hit the like button and please share it with your friends if you got something out of it. Also, don't be afraid to reach out to my guests and uh, I will talk to you next week. And as always, you're gonna hear a track of mine at the end of this, and you can purchase my music at addosdaughter.com or jacquelinevanbirg.com and you can also find me on facebook and instagram i am all over the place and i would love to connect with you thank you for listening and you have an amazing fantastic evening day morning week year life love you guys